0: Hello everyone, my name is Noe and I'm an alcoholic. I'm also a lot of other things, but uh, you know, when I drink, I can't stop. <laughs> I guess that qualifies me, <clears throat> excuse me. So I um, I woke up one morning and, and wanted to kill myself. I had I, been drinking a quart of vodka a day for quite a while uh, i i quit drinking before just out of sheer will and uh <clears throat> did pretty good for a year didn't have a meeting didn't have a group uh, continued to work at the bar and uh about a one day i said oh well let's have a beer and i had a beer and within a week it was back up to a quarter vodka it's just so you know powerful that I, I, I really am powerless over alcohol. Well, three years later, I finally called up a friend. I woke up, I was depressed. I was full of remorse and anxiety and, and shame and guilt. And, and I just wanted to die. Um, <clears throat> and it was 7707. That's a lot of lucky sevens. I think I'll give it a try. I called a friend up. He told me he'd quit drinking the bastard. And I uh, he said, I said you, you still sober? He said, yes, I am. I said, I need to talk to you. <laughs> and I went over to his house and I said, I can't, get, I can't make this, I can't do this. I can't do this, that's just miserable. Well, he took me to my first three meetings. And at the last meeting, I was able to raise my hand and say, I'm Noe, and I'm an alcoholic. And everybody cheered. I was taken outside to, uh, and my friend said, listen, this, this this fellow here is gonna be your temporary sponsor. And I looked the guy, oh, <laughs> it's that crack addict I used to throw out of the bar, coming always, always high, always smoking crack in my bar. I was like, oh, get out of here. I said, you? He says, yeah. I said, how long have you been sober? He says, I've been sober a year. And I'll be your temporary sponsor. And you can call me and I'll help you get through this. But you're gonna do all the work. You know, you just have to do it for today. I was like, wow. Well. He says, Go home and get some bananas. I said, What? Get some bananas. You got a monkey on your back. You gotta feed it. I'm like, oh my god. <laughs> I said, well, I, I was going to do whatever it took, and I must have eaten a half a dozen bananas that night, and I was up all night tossing and turning. I was shaking. I was going through some pretty heavy withdrawals, but I didn't know that. I, I was just miserable, stayed in bed, got out of bed, just went back to bed, got out of bed, ate a banana. And I know that if Chris had sold, sold me I had to do this for the rest of my life, I wouldn't have done it. Chris says, no, you just have to do it for today. Just for today. I said, I can do that. And uh, you know, got through it. And I came home and my my partner says, Well, you know, you really, you really don't have a drinking problem. <laughs> Always words of encouragement. <laughs> Everything, well, I do. And he says, I said, I've been hiding it from you. Look over here, here's a bottle over here. Look under here, there's a bottle over here. So you ever wonder why I always excused myself at family gatherings? Because I had a bottle in my coat. (laughs) Just You shit face by 9.30 in the evening. I was so miserable. Well, I kept going to meetings, kept listening, kept hearing it. And I really liked what was on the wall. It says the only requirement is a desire to stop drinking. And that tradition meant a lot to me. And I have grabbed onto that tradition because I didn't like anybody. Uh, I went to a big gathering. I had my new sponsor, who was my, he says, you gotta sit in the front row and you gotta raise your hand and you gotta talk. So i sat in the front row, he says, he nudged me, he says, You gotta say something. I said, Oh god, I don't want to say anything. Come on, Noe, you can do it. I stood up. I said, My name's Noe, I'm an alcoholic. And I'm like, Oh, no, no, 200 people. I hate all of you. And the room busted out laughing. I'm like, Oh, geez, I think I found my crowd. <laughs> and I uh, used to keep a notebook in my pocket, <clears throat> take notes. Somebody asked me one day, Noah, you're always writing things down. What are you writing down? So you wanna see what I'm writing down? Fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. I'm not gonna drink today, exclamation point. Because I I I just I was still struggling. 90 meetings and 90 days, don't drink between meetings and don't drink at meetings. <laughs> oh, I uh, did my best. Uh, about day 88, I well, no, earlier on before that, I called my sponsor and said, Wow, this is amazing. Why didn't I do this sooner? I mean, life was new, it was incredible. I was so happy for the first time in a really long time. And he said, No, you're right on track. Oh, that made me feel good. And three days later, I called him up in tears, crying, What have I done? I don't even know who I am anymore. What happened? And he said, Noe, you're right on track. Man, I said, if I go to another meeting, I'm gonna drink. He says, don't go. What? He says, yeah, don't go. But what about this 90 and 90? And he said, if you wanna drink, go to another meeting, don't go. Took the day off, felt great, and I didn't drink. It came became clear that this was my program, that this is my recovery, and I was going to do it with all of your help. So I stuck to that: my program, my recovery, my journey. But you see, um, <clears throat> the bottle was only the symptom, and uh, you know when I finally got to examine myself sober and with clarity of mind, I was able to understand the traumas in my life and because I was traumatized as a child, uh, yeah you know and, and and it affected me. You know my earliest childhood memory is the attempted murder of my mother. I'm three. It's uh it was traumatic. And then putting into an orphanage and then finally getting out, my mom's there. It's like a miracle. She was coming in through the door and the light was behind her. I swear she was the Mother Mary. <laughs> and I didn't even know who Mother Mary was. Um but she was glowing. It was so good to see her. Six months as three as a three-year-old. Well, I uh I also found out something else in that orphanage, because there was a little red headed boy that was always following around and I just wanted to hold him and kiss him. And eventually, I ended up holding and kissing a red headed boy. It was wonderful. So I moved through my life. And as a young man, I discovered drugs. And I said, Oh, this is great. here's courage. Here's personality. And I was able to, you know, but it it slowly took over my life. By the time I was 17, I must have, you know, taken handfuls and handfuls, you know, LSD, all of the, this is the 60s, it was wonderful. But it was pretty horrible for a teenager and adolescent. And at 17, I uh, I, uh, found a group of people who said, you know, you're welcome here. And uh, and I became a born-again Christian. And I'll tell you, it saved my life because I was going to kill myself at 17. And it saved my life. And I don't deny it. It was incredible. And for the next 10 years of my life, I had a wonderful life, a new life without drugs, without alcohol, with a new group of people who accepted me as I am. But I had a hard time accepting myself as, as who I am. And I went up to the top of the mountain. I hiked up in the Sierra Nevadas here in California. Really struggling as a as a homosexual and a Christian. And I went up to the top of the mountain. Climbed up there by myself. About 11,000 feet. And I looked up. I said, Lord, tell me something. Give me something. I feel horrible. I just, I don't know what to do. And I unzipped my little... my little Bible, and I put my finger down on it and it said you shall seek me on the mountaintop, but I will not be there. Unbelievable. I threw that book up in the air, started laughing my head off. Oh my goodness. There are many things like that, little little, uh, teaching me that this is my journey. well jump ahead 10 years later and i'm in the church and the minister stands up and holds up the bible and says this is the inerrant word of god and i said uh, uh excuse me i think you're wrong <laughs> how could you believe that how could you possibly believe that this book written by men is the inerrant word of god he says you're excommunicated and i was thrown out on my ass i lost all my friends lost had to move from my house they just rejected me and that was tough at 27 28 because then i realized they didn't even know who i was so i met up with another friend who also got kicked out and we were talked about suicide so what are we gonna do he said let's go get some beers (laughs) that gave me courage and it gave me strength. Left that town, moved to San Francisco in '84, and uh, I met Michael and fell in love with Michael. Oh God, we were so happy and 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 so free. I was living in Salt Lake City, Utah, which was not a good place to live in the uh, in the '70s if you were a closeted homosexual. So I decided to leave before my thirtieth birthday. And, uh, two weeks before my birthday, I left to go to San Francisco. Well, Michael and I had a great relationship, a wonderful relationship, a loving relationship, a hilarious relationship, a lots of drugs, lots of alcohol, mostly me, though, didn't quite indulge in them. Um, well, he, he had HIV and, and he died in my arms 10 years later. And I had stopped drinking and I had stopped smoking taking drugs because I realized I had to be awake for this I had to be awake I couldn't be awake if I was high I went downstairs and after he died my mom called says what are you doing I said "Well, I'm finally alone his mom and dad left his sister left the house was alone he was upstairs lying on the bed she said oh you can't be alone and I said well Yeah, I need to be alone. It's been overwhelming for quite a while. And I look down the steps and here comes Michael (laughs) in my head. And there he is healthy and whole and happy and pulling off his gloves and saying, where's my lunch? Now I could remember him when he was healthy and whole, not what was upstairs. You know, it was was quite that. It was wonderful to start remembering him. But as I remember him, you know days went on I started smoking again I started drinking again well like I said you know we have these experiences in our life I have this experience in my life and there was a lot of death and dying in the in the 90s and you know half a dozen friends of mine died of HIV and, and I'm still here well I I drank I drank a lot I had to I couldn't stand it couldn't stand reality, you know, just couldn't bear it. And uh, finally, I was seeing a therapist, you know, who really helped me out a lot, getting through these difficult times uh, (laughs) and a doctor. I said, I'm always angry. I'm always want to fight. I always want to kill somebody. And he says, Well, your enemy doesn't have a face. My enemy doesn't have a face. So I'm raging at the world. And I drank over that. It's, uh, it didn't, you know, enemy doesn't have a face. Well, move ahead to the 2000s. Life is good. I met Spencer in 2000 and we've been together ever since. But I was drinking crazy and worked at a bar and I got sober. And uh, that that friend, Chris, who got me sober, who was my temporary sponsor, gave me a chip, you know, one of those silver chips, 24 hour chips. He said, no, no, when you want that drink, put this chip in your mouth and when it melts, you can have the drink. <laughs> I put that chip in my mouth a couple times, working at the bar. It was insane. I kept working at the bar for another five years, and I stayed sober in the bar because there were a lot of sober people in the bar. Turns out, I said, "Why do we see you with a the drink?" They said, well, it's just club soda with a cherry in it." I just want to blend in because it was a wonderful bar, very supportive of the community, and and people were really happy there. And I said, "Well, keep, stick stick around. I'm having a hard time," and they did. And I got through the evening, and I got through the night, and uh, you know I met a lot of good people in AA, and I'm grateful for AA for learning, learning so much, having that clarity. But I was struggling with Alcoholics Anonymous, and I was having a hard time. Um, So when the man at the end, meeting in the front of the room, pointed at the ceiling said, let's remember who brought us here. God brought us here. I yelled out, I drove. And I realized I needed to find another group. Needed to find another group of people. I needed to find something else. I found a meeting of Alcoholics Anonymous, atheist, Agnostic, Freethinkers here in San Francisco. I remember crying at the first meeting so wonderful to find fellows men and women who were strong and had courage and 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 were willing to talk and not just do mantras and chants and I loved that about that meeting and I became a member of that meeting I still am yeah you know, been secretary been Having sponsees, one day I was at the meeting and uh, somebody over there said, "Well, Noe said." Another person, "I remember when Noe said." (laughs) I'm like, "Oh fuck." This guy's like, "And then Noe said." I'm like, "Oh." I finally raised my hand. I said, "Hello, everybody. My name's Noe." Whole room busted out laughing. I said, "Everything I know, I've learned from you." everything i know i've learned from others i'm a big shot who's one shot to getting shot and thank you for keeping me sober and they did they still do i don't use the expression sponsor and sponsee anymore I use i use the word recovery partner because it is a partnership an agreement i make with someone else just a help each other out. And I've had to lean on some of these people here who have come to visit, you know, call them up and say, hi, or text them and say, how are you doing? I don't tell them how I'm doing. But you know what, they're doing all right. They they tell me they get me out of my rut, because I, I've been sober, you know, 14 years, but I still struggle with depression. I still struggle with um you know anxieties and you know this isn't a, it's not magic which i really appreciate this isn't about magic it's about effort i went to the meeting of the uh, zen center at the monday night recovery group and there i heard the most wonderful thing i said well rather than a higher power perhaps it could be a broader power Wow. And it put me in the moment. It put me in the moment that was so important that that I can only stay sober one day at a time. And because and, and, I, I like to, you know, reminisce and it breaks my heart sometimes when I reminisce. But Now, it, you know, puts a lot of smiles on my face, the good times, they were good. They were great. They were wonderful. I've traveled the world, Then I look at the future, and I used to think, oh, shit, <laughs> I'm gonna pay the bills. Uh, I, uh, I've learned through this meeting, through people, that this is the most important moment now. And, and, and just don't grab onto that balloon, that thought balloon. Uh, in Buddhism, I think, in Buddhism, they say there are six senses, you know, the sixth one being the mind, the brain, just doing what it does, and I've had to learn so much about that. So recovery has been, you know, it's not, especially early recovery, it sucks. <laughs> it <does. laughs> but, you know, I so, I so miss physical 3D meetings. I really do, I wanna hug Dan and Mario. You know, I get to see Fred regularly. (laughs) But this is where I get the strength and the hope. And these are just a few of the people, they're just, you know, we we really do make this a program of helping each other. There's an old poem uh, from a Buddhist nun 2,500 years ago, and, and she was walking through the cemetery calling out for her daughter who died, Jida, Jida, where's my Jida? And the earth responded, "You yeah. know, which Jida do you seek? For there are many here. And she uh, found the nuns and they brought her in and they took care of her and she she said, you've healed me not of my grief but of my loneliness and this group has healed me not of my grief because it's always it's always there but of my loneliness yet i know that i do this by myself that i make my bed every morning sometimes i don't and that i'm not perfect because I'm not but I am going to not drink today I am going to do something loving today I just read that one it was wonderful what was it if if you don't love you don't live why am I denying because it could be rejected of course if I you know but what is it just try so I'm I'm, that's where I'm working with right now is, is that love Uh, reaching out to my family members I haven't talked to in a while. And whatever their response is, their response. Because I've also learned in this thing, I have no control over people, places, or things. I have control over this, this, this journey, huh? I like Joseph Campbell's quote. Eternity is not neither a place, has nothing to do with time or place. Eternity is now. (laughs) And if you don't get it now, you may never get it. This is eternity. And I go, "Wow, wow, you shall seek me on the mountaintop, but I will not be there. It's a great life, it's a good life. I'm grateful to Alcoholics Anonymous for allowing me to become a senior citizen. Yay! <laughs> I don't think I'd be here without it. And I've already Unfortunately, no people weren't. They drank themselves to death or they overdosed. But I'm grateful for them. And I move forward with that to finally come to places in my life that. Sorry about that. Sounds like a balloon. I've been uh, able to reconnect and and make an amends with my mom. She passed away a couple years ago, coming up on two years ago. And it was so important to to talk with her one day. We went out to lunch, went out to dinner, and we're looking at the sunset. And she says to me, you know, your brother's really mad at you. (laughs) I said, pa. We just had a wonderful day. I don't know anything about my brother being mad at me or this or that, but we just had a wonderful day and we're standing here looking at this beautiful sunset together and you bring this shit up. And you've been doing it my whole life, Ma. Huh? Why do you do that? Why can't you just be with me here now? And she looked at me she says, I, I'm sorry, you're right. Oh my gosh, what a wonderful moment for her and I. What a wonderful moment that at 84 years old, she was able to apologize for and have a recognition. And I was able to recognize that and accept that love. I'm so fortunate. I'm so fortunate for sobriety, to have this sobriety. It's a, you know, I'm going to end with this. Always tell people, have a nice day, unless you've made other plans. With that, thanks for letting me share. Thanks, friends, for showing up. Thank you, new friends, for keeping me sober today. I really appreciate it. And with that, I can. will say, one day at a time.